Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Educated Ignorance Podcast. We're recording this on a Monday night. This will probably go out sometime around Thursday or Friday. It is the Super Bowl Shuffle. It is the Super Bowl Shit Show, and we are ready to ride. Ladies and gentlemen, I got all of my friends with me. It is a 2-4, 7-pack, holiday 7-pack, whatever that means. They, they send you a six-pack, and they hand you a free one at the at the cash register. That's what we're doing here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the For Fantasy Sake QC Podcast Network Super Bowl Preview. I am Joe Winkle, the host of the Educated Ignorance Podcast. Everyone say hi as I go around. Joining me live in the game room again for the second day in a row is Mr. Blake Ringer. What's up? Uh, returning guest to the show first, Nick Pearson. Oh Lord, help us all! Without without the fried chicken, uh, in a new home, but back on the podcast again, Mister Mac Fulton sitting under a Passover, whatever that is. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Looks like he's about to do some rituals. Speaking of rituals, the man who looks like Jesus himself, Joey, is with us. What's up, my guy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on again. He's happy because of his his boys from UVA winning tonight. Insert Blake and Mac sadness. Speaking of sadness, the twelfth saddest man in the universe, Ethan Pearson, is here. My guy, I don't. What is that sign above your head? Is that a uh, the, the camel sign? Legendary. How are you doing, buddy? You good? Not really. We're al- we're alive, right? <laughs> yep. Ethan might have the vid, y'all. So, he might so, have the vid. So, so if we all have to go into quarantine after this, it's his fault. And ladies and gentlemen, the seventh and the most sensational man on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause for Mr. Levi Perry, ex-Bengals fan himself, making his first uh, his first appearance Ooh. on the podcast. Levi, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you know, fantastic as usual. Yeah, he really did turn from a Bengals fan at the wrong time, huh? No shit, wrong yeah, time, bro. Wrong time, man. horrifying timing. All right, let's. Uh, we're gonna talk. There's so many angles we're gonna hit um, on this show. We're going to uh, talk. Uh, each one of us has brought our own little storyline fixture that uh, we're going to bring. Uh, we're going to talk predictions, of course, at the end, matchups, things like that. I want to start with the probably the most random part of this entire Super Bowl is how odd it is that the Bengals are here. And I wanted to start by bringing our newest guest on, Levi, because, Levi, we've talked today about the torture that the Bengals franchise has gone through. And you have lived through that a lot, my friend, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Every excruciating detail. So I actually got a list of uh, Bengals torture. And you go back to the 1980s when uh, this team went to two Super Bowls, 16 and 23, both times losing to the San Francisco 49ers. And before the 1991 season... Paul Brown dies. His son, Mike, takes over. And from there, all of a sudden, the curse of the Bungles starts. When you think of everything, horrifying 1990s, multiple last place finishes, draft busts. Everybody remembers Achilles Smith, right? We all remember how bad that was. Then all of a sudden, in the early 2000s, the Carson Palmer era begins. John Kitna was there for a year. That was fun. 2005, 11-5 season. They They win the AFC North. But Levi, you know what happens next, right? The Kim, the Kimo Von Olhoffen rule, first pass of the game, Carson Palmer blows his knee out. They're cursed. They missed the playoffs in 2006, 2007, 2009, through, through, through 2009. They're just average. And then 2010, they might be good. Terrell Owens is on the team. 
but they're a shit show. One of the worst teams in the league. Ten game losing streak. They finish four and twelve. And then all of a sudden, Carson Palmer says, trade trade me or I will retire. He gets traded to the Raiders. It's the new era. It's the Andy Dalton era. 2011, they draft Andy Dalton and A.J. Green in the first two rounds. They start 6-2, and two, but they finish 9-7. and seven. And then, Levi, this is the first of many heartbreaks. Do you remember them losing to it? the T.J. Yates-led Houston Texans in 2011? I forgot about that. Do any of you remember this? Well, it was basically just J.J. Watt and 51 other people. Fair. Very fair. Very fair. T.J. Yates won a playoff game. A stat. Had more playoff wins than Matthew Stafford before this year. Quarterback wins, folks. They matter. 2012, they finished 10-6, and another division title. Once again, lose again to the Texans in the playoffs. 2013, career year for Andy Dalton. Franchise record in touchdowns and passing yards. But once again, another playoff defeat. You remember that playoff game where Andy Dalton had three straight turnovers and a half, losing to Nick's favorite team and favorite player ever, Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers? I remember Andy Dalton had a fumble in that game where he dove forward instead of sliding and fumbled because of that. Hilarious. Yeah, the Madden glitch. Yes, the Madden glitch. 2014. They signed him to a six-year, $115 million extension, which is, you can think of as one of two ways. One, he's maybe the best quarterback you've had since Ken Anderson. He's won three straight division titles. Or, two, it's like, well, should we pay this guy because he hasn't really delivered when it matters? Turns out, probably not the greatest idea. Though they started 5-2-1. and one. one of those losses was the historic Bill Belichick on the Cincinnati game. Then they lost to the Steelers in Week 17, which would have been for the division title. In that loss, multiple guys due to injury, and then lost to Indianapolis, Andrew Luck's second year, 26-10. And then my favorite, the coup de grace of Bengals torture, the 2015 season. The ultimate what if. Bengals start out 8-0, best team in the league? They were pretty good. All of a sudden, things hit the shitter in Week 13. Andy Dalton breaks his thumb. Oh my God, here we go again. A.J. McCarron has to start. Levi, do you remember A.J. McCarron finished the season 2-1 and one with the Bengals in 2015? Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. 97 passer rating in three starts. Not bad. And then all of a sudden, probably the single biggest collapse and choke job in the history of the playoffs in a close game. The craziest and most electric worst playoff game of all time. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals, led by A.J. McCarron and Vontez Perfect, wanting to kill everything that moved. The game where Antonio Brown's brain cells finally left his head. The Steelers win 18-16 after the Bengals choked the game away in multiple, multiple opportunities to win what would have been their first playoff game in two decades. And I also noted here, and for those that want to chime in on this, this is officially the end of the Levi Perry fandom of the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we can all agree, correct? Yeah, I think that's about right. Seems to add up here, Doc. 2000, 2017, they were really, really bad. But, um, but hey, they helped the Bills get in the playoffs. With the crazy last second pass, Tyler Boyd, to get the Bills into the playoffs. Great moment. 2009, they start 0-8. Zach Taylor, hired as a coach, starts 6-25-1. But all of a sudden, after Andy Dalton and getting rid of him and bad starts, and Ryan Finley, that was an error for the Bengals. They go 2-14, and and then all of a sudden... Smoking Joey B falls into their lap, and one of the greatest turnarounds, and maybe the most shocking 
AFC, NFC, whatever you want to call it, champions in the history of the NFL is here. And ladies and gentlemen, the Cincinnati goddamn Bengals, the team that I just had had all of that happen in the last two decades plus, three, de three decades now, they are representing the American Football Conference in the Super Bowl. Levi Perry, as a Bengals fan, ex-Bengals fan, how was that trip down memory lane, and how do you feel about this team being one win away from a championship? Twenty fifteen definitely definitely hurts the most out of all of it. Like it, just watching a complete and total collapse. All you have to do is run the ball. Jeremy O fumbles, walks down the field, two consecutive pass interference. And honestly, when you look back on it, that kind of was the end of Antonio Brown's career as he knew it too. Like he never was the same after, and then slowly after that he started moving teams and he just kind of fell off the wagon from there. Um, as far as seeing this year, like it's been a highly improbable ride. It's one of those that you know, the, the memes came out of just, uh, you know, they need to get a lineman. It's, you know, you can draft Jamar Chase, but, you know, Joe Burrow can't throw to Jamar Chase and he's on his back. But, you know, the fact of the matter is they were able to beat the Tennessee Titans while the Tennessee Titans set a playoff record for most sacks in a single game. And that just, quite frankly, didn't seem to matter with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, I want to move to Ethan next because Ethan's kind of probably been the only one that's rode the Bengals as more than anybody else. And Blake, I, I, you as well. I don't. Did you pick them to beat the Chiefs? Yeah, I picked them to beat the Chiefs. And okay, I, I know them, you picked, I picked them, them to beat, beat the Titans. Titans. I thought they would lose both games. So Blake, I'm or Ethan, I'm going to start with you. Is it the Joey oh, Burrow? I, is it the Joey Burrow factor? What on earth is it? Is it just you being wild? Like, what about this team makes them, in your mind, what they are? Because again. I think this is nuts. The fact that they're here and that it's February 7th and we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals about to play a football game, I still think is crazy. It has not sunk in yet. For me, it was just the fact that, you know, how a lot of teams, when they get to this point, are embracing that underdog narrative and, like, all that kind of stuff. And Joe Burrow, after that Titans win, just came out and said, nah, that underdog narrative's gone. We're here to stay, and we're going to be one of the best teams in the league to for years to come. Blinky. And, like... Oh, good. That well, confidence, that confidence there, just made me feel like, yeah, they're going all the way, and Joe Burrow's the dude. Want to add on to that, my friend? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the underdog narrative, and I think it's a little bit of the buddy ball narrative. I mean, I never would have thought that Joe Burrow throwing it twenty-seven times to Jamar Chase in the game would work, but all year long it's worked. I mean, dude got sacked nine times, but that defense has stepped up tremendously in the playoffs and that offense obviously I think is when it's all said and done probably could be a, is a top 10 offense in the league and I think they're showing it and I think obviously Joe Burrow just being top five quarterback in the NFL right now is also helping them a lot. Nick Mac, Joey I'll let you guys uh you guys can go back and forth for a minute how did we get here how did we go from they were good. You got to remember, like midway through the season, they were the one seed, and then they lost to like the Jets, and they shit the they they fell out of the playoffs for a couple weeks, and then the Chiefs game happened, and it was like, all right, they're in the playoffs, and we all thought they'd beat the Raiders, but then after that, we didn't expect much. How did we get to here? Uh, so uh, here's my thing. Think about it this way: two of the biggest hits I've ever seen on a football field have directly impacted the last 15 years of the Bengals. One, the Antonio Brown getting cleared over the middle by Vontez Burfitt. You already have gone over it. Number two, Joe Burrow, his first year at LSU against UCF. 
gets destroyed by a crackback block, and after that is never the same again. Turns around and is from then on possibly the best quarterback season that we've ever seen in college football history. First year setting it on fire until he blows up his knee, then comes back this year and is a man on fire. It's just interesting to me that two of the biggest hits I've seen in the last 15 years can directly tie to how this Bengals team was formed right now. That's wild. What a take. I love that. That's some good shit. Joey Mack, you guys can go ahead. I'll say building off of what Nick said, I mean, you're, like you said it's two. I mean, like three negative, you know, terrible plays that happens to one guy across his, his, his playing career, and it leads you to get into a position to get Jamar Chase, you know, in the first round, which – I think a lot of people, fan-wise, said that probably wasn't the smartest move considering they needed a line. But at the same time, it's just proved that these guys in, in the ownership were like, you know, if we just give him one weapon, he might not take as many hits anymore. You know, get the ball out of his hands quick, let Jamar do his thing, and they look like fucking geniuses now. Yeah, you might add to that as well. Um, it didn't necessarily add one player. It allowed... It allowed your uh, allowed T Higgins to go and be a solid number two, and it allowed Tyler Boyd to just be strictly a slot receiver, which enhanced all three positions by one pick. Think of how good CJ Uzama's been this year, also. Like you add on to that as well with Jamar. Joey, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I will, you know, toot my own horn here and say uh, I did say that the Bengals should draft Jamar Chase from the get go. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, you put a guy as talented as Joe Burrow together with a guy who set records with at LSU. I mean, that's a no-brainer. You don't just develop that kind of chemistry overnight. And to have that coming into day one in training camp, why, why would you not do that? But uh, the other thing, going off of what Nick and Mac were talking about, Joey B getting all, taking all these hits and all this abuse, is, uh, I mean, the dude is just a grinder. He puts the work in week in, week out to come back from ACL surgery and have the year he just had. Like, he just has that expectation to be great and be better than everybody else. He puts the work in, and the product on the field shows that he has done it. And those expectations are reality for Bengals at this point. Yeah, I love the fact that, like, even when he was hurt, he never made it a doubt that he wasn't going to be back by the start of this season. Like, there was no doubt in that. He was always set to be back by the start of the year, even though he got hurt nearly midway through the regular season last year. Um, it's been crazy to think his recovery time and how, they, how they've been good. Before we get into, like, each of our headlines, let's, t let's flip the ledger here and talk about the Los Angeles Rams. You talk about the absolute story of going for it. A couple years ago, they did, and it, and it, it got to the Super Bowl, and it came up short. In 2000, what would it have been, 2018, they go out, they they hammer home, they go get Indomitian Sue to beef up the D-line, they go out and get, that, I think that was the first year they had Robert Woods, they locked up Todd Gurley, uh, Jared Goff played a fantastic season, it was, a, it was a, a team that stacked up positions, they went out and got Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib to play corner, like, that team was loaded. They built for a championship. They got to the Super Bowl, and it was a humbling experience for Sean McVay. McVay. But they come back now. They up. They had a guy in Jared Goff who was good, but not good enough. They say, we want something better. 
The defense is playing well. They want to go get something better. They go get Von Miller. Offensively, obviously, considering Robert Woods got hurt right when they got him, they needed Odell way more than initially it felt like it. But their offense was humming. They go out and get Odell, said, we don't have enough. We need to be better. All of the chances that the Los Angeles Rams have taken over the past three, four, five years have once again led them back to this moment in the Super Bowl. Nick, I will start with you. We are, we're going to talk about Stafford later, but let's just talk about the 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 full circle once again for the Rams, now hosting in their new stadium in SoFi. This is a, a chance to... It, it, we're Obviously, I know some of us here are going to be picking the Bengals, so I don't want to say it's a coronation, so to speak, but I mean... If there was ever a coronation feeling, it feels like talk about getting your just dues. The Rams have had one coming for a bit, and it feels like this is one that should pay off for them. Yeah, it's wild in today's age where we always think build through the draft, build through the draft, and the Rams have bucked that entire narrative and said, yeah, screw draft picks. They're overrated. Give me the sure things. And it's worked. I mean, yeah, no, not all of those deals worked out well, but they have an identity. They are a team that's going to go for it, and them consistently sticking with that has gotten them to where they're at today. And I love to see it. I love to see somebody bucking the trend and doing something different and it working. Levi, this Rams team, I think, is so polarizing for the fact of how they go get guys. They're they're the team that I I love them for how aggressive they are. They're kind of different from the rest of the NFL where – they don't worry about the future. They're trying to secure the now more than I think any other team we've seen, and it's paying off again with another Super Bowl appearance. What are your thoughts on the aggressive approach that this team has taken on over the years? Honestly, I don't necessarily think it's that aggressive. It's kind of a situation where you're hedging your bets, where when you think about you know getting a chance to draft, especially when you're in the back of the first round, you know, this is kind of where your your Kevin Kings go and things of that nature, where they may not be like the elite caliber players that you're wanting. So, you know, would you rather have you know Kevin King in a random tackle, or would you rather have Jalen Ramsey? And they're continuously the person who's not putting as much of a high value on that late first round pick and just saying, hey, we'll go take a proven commodity that we know can be an All Pro caliber player, and we'll just keep doing this as long as people keep making these trades. Blake, we both love Jalen Ramsey a lot. Um, we're I guess we're both we're both happy that he's here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, granted, I will always go down and say the the Jaguars screwed him over and they caused this, but he does. I think he deserves this moment. I mean, I know I thought it. You were sort of on the train. I thought he should have won one DPOY last year. Yeah, um, <laughs> fuck I, yeah, I, he should I, have. I was on that train. I know you were. I mean, I think he's. Obviously, the best cornerback in the league. I love him. He's my favorite player in the league, personally. Um, it's gr- good to see him in this moment. It's unfortunate that it has to be on the Rams, but uh, yeah, against America's against America's new sweetheart, right? Yeah, but it's it's good to see him in the moment, and I think he's going to put on an absolute show. I know he's talk about living up for the moment. Um, a lot of different guys, Mac, Ethan, Joey, that can that are in this moment for the first time. Guys like Matt Stafford, which we're, I know we're going to hit on him later, but other guys, Andrew Whitworth being in this situation, because um, I don't think he was on the team that went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, Cooper Cup, 
was hurt. I believe he was hurt. No, he was on. He was not hurt. But uh, other guys like uh, Von Miller back in the spotlight. Jalen Ramsey, of course, his first Super Bowl. Eric Weddle. I know Nick and Ethan. That's one of y'all's favorite players ever. Like off the couch, and a month later, he's in, in playing in a Super Bowl with a chance to win a championship. You three talk about all these guys in buying for their first title on this Rams team. Um, and different guys like Von Miller or Von Miller going for his second, Aaron Donald trying to solidify winning a first, Eric Weddle's stuff like that, Jalen Ramsey. Talk about these guys, you know, solidifying themselves with a, either another ring or their first ring. I mean, honestly, it just shows. It kind of just goes off of what Levi was saying about how the Rams have been aggressive, but not super aggressive. Like it's not. It's aggressive in their own way about getting these kind of players, and being able to see that these guys provide value to make a run for the Super Bowl right now, compared to maybe trying to build to the draft. It just shows like the Rams haven't had a first round pick in what five years, something not, like not that. So it's just like. Why you need one if you can just continue to build a team that's going to put you in the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl? And, and you bring in a Ramsey, or you bring in a Stafford, you know, you bring those guys in. Like you're just making your team better and better, and it's gonna, and it's just what you get you here. Like I just don't see many teams. There's, I think the Rams are the only team that do this, like on a normal basis. Like you see it randomly, but like it's not a normal thing. Yeah, and, you're right. And what Kronke has done as you know GM and owner of this team is like he he's given McVay free reign to do what he thinks necessary for this team to succeed. And that's a lot to be said from, from an owner. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, my biggest question off, off of everything, cause I mean, you guys all know, I have a lot of strong opinions on the Rams. Um, I've kind of related them to like a current Dodgers or Yankees back in the day. And, I, you know, bucking the system's cool and everything. I, I'm with you guys. I think it's interesting. But, dude, what are they doing in that locker room to keep all those egos in check? Like, these are all <laughs> superstar caliber players with, you know, a very young head coach. Like, what, what's going on in that locker room? I know Evan Vaughn Miller helps out a lot because I mean, he's Joey, you know the one common denominator that Rams team has right now? They're winning. Winning yeah. makes everything so much easier in the locker room. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like it's all about winning. They're they're all there to do their job. They want to ring. They're all hungry. They're they're coming out and trying to win, and that's what's keeping that locker room together. Yeah, if it's they go five and twelve. It's over. Like that that locker room's going to implode. I mean, well, just look at how the Seattle Seahawks were after they had their run with the Legion of Boom. That team, this you know, that team fell apart real fast when they started not to win games. Started getting older, a little bit slower. That that team had to get blown up because they just didn't have the chemistry like they did in the years that they were winning. It's wild to think that team only won one championship. No, I, I like that question Joey asked. And Ethan said it right. Winning. Mac, you said it winning. It heals all. And and Levi, you said it best. If they're 5-12, and 12, there's an implosion. I think there's a possibility of that. But I think you have the right guys in there. Like, you have guys that are, you know, superstars and are about them. But you also have a bunch of, out like, alphas. And you got guys that are, you know, being they're competitive and they believe they're the best so they're trying to be the best you got a guy like Aaron Donald you got a guy like Jalen Ramsey obviously a guy like Von Miller who they got for literally peanuts 
Um, getting Odell, I think it's fascinating that Odell has been a as not that you know he's toxic or whatever, but it's just the fact that he's came in and been as seamless fit for them. And he is a guy that the that Stafford goes to in high leverage situations. I think of a regular season game against the Ravens, big fourth down on the goal line, they hit him. Then the play a play later, he hits Odell for a touchdown. He had what ten for one hundred and five last week, and and a t- uh, against the against the uh, Niners, he had a big game against the Cardinals. Like he has had some huge games in the playoffs, and he's a guy Stafford relies on and can trust. I feel like with what the Rams are, they have adults in the room, and that matters in the NFL. Sometimes you get too many guys, too many teams that don't have enough people that have been there before, and it can spiral. So I think the fact that they have enough men in that room, enough adults, guys that have been there before, I think that all works out. So uh, I'd like to add something to that, Joe. Um, so I don't know if you can say the transition for Odell coming to L.A. has been seamless. I mean, like, there was the first few weeks when he was there, like, Stafford was trying to force him the ball, and he just wasn't – like, the numbers weren't there to show, like, what he was doing. Yeah, I think it was just him trying to get him integrated. But I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, get, I get that 100%. But along that, you also have a guy like Stafford who's there. And, like, yeah, he hasn't won a playoff game until this year, but he is a leader in that locker room that probably has, you know, connected with Odell to a way that they're on the same page. And that's why this development over the last, you know – eight, nine weeks that they've had him, you've seen the progression just skyrocket. Yeah, they got him, and they had that little funk, uh, Nick, about they lost to the um, The Niners. Yeah, they lost to the Niners, and they lost to the Packers. And then uh, Stafford struggled. He threw some – he had some games with some bad picks, but then they kind of started to roll going into the postseason. Uh, Nick and Ethan, did you guys have anything else you wanted to touch on before we get into our headlines about the Rams? No, well, I got a little, uh, I got a little trivia fact for you here. Oh, let's go, Levi! Oh, Bring the heat! Bring the heat, son! Let's go. What do Travis Etienne of the Jaguars, <laughs> Travis Etienne, Clavion Chason <laughs> of the Jaguars, Caleb McGarry of the Falcons, Isaiah Wynn of the Patriots? And Corey Davis of the Titans have in common. Okay, I knew a few of those. Um, They're all picks the Rams gave up? Those are all the first-round picks that the Rams traded away since Jared Goff. I know, because I know ETN and Chason were for Ramsey, obviously. I I couldn't tell you who the rest were for. That is a matter of just taking the proven commodity and building from there. Now, granted, as these players continue to get older, you're not going to have that young developing core underneath it to build up. So I'll be interested to see what this team's going to look like in about four years when they start aging. Though championships are forever. Exactly. In the NFL, it's not about what the Patriots did was ridiculous outliers. It's why everybody saying the Chiefs were going to own the next decade of the league was so nuts and stupid because it's like you don't realize how hard it is to win in this league and how tough it is to win, go back to back, and the miles you got to put on to do that. To the fact that, granted, yes, the fact that the Chiefs hosted straight four AFC title games is sensational. It doesn't happen, 
But, like, you, it's not a guarantee to win games in this league. So, like, you win one, you're immortalized. And that's the goal, to get one, because of how hard it is to win in this in this league. And, Nick, you hit the nail on the head, bro. Like, win one, you're vindicated for everything. doesn't matter what you're going to be like in a couple years, because in this league you have to take advantages of the opportunities you're giving. You're given. Teams like the Jags in 2017, teams like the Bears the year after, Teams like that, they didn't capitalize on them. And then you look at a team like the Bengals, they are capitalizing on it because who knows if they'll even be in the playoffs next year. Nick, that's just how this sport works. Exactly. It's tough, so you got to go after it when you get the chance. Exactly. Bingo. All right, let's move on. Headlines. We all kind of did a little uh, draft, a little you know, back and forth. Um, let's see. I'm, we're going to go Joey first, then Ethan, and then we're going to keep going and going. Uh, so, Joey, lead us off. What is your Super Bowl headline, matchup, X-Factor, whatever? Again, we're not going to get predictions until after all of these are gone. We'll do At the end, we'll do predictions and MVP. So, first, Joey, we'll, ha we'll start with you. Who do you what is your uh, big headline, X-Factor, story, whatever, going into Super Bowl Sunday? So, my biggest uh, kind of X-Factor headline is uh, the one, obviously, everybody's kind of joked about. I mean, I told you guys right after it happened, I was like, you know, it's kind of weird that back-to-back uh, -back years that, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be played at home for one of the teams. How big of a deal do we really think this is? I mean, personally, uh, I think it, it's kind of a 50-50. It definitely helps that you don't have to travel when you get to stay in your own bed the night before, eat a good meal with your family, get you know a good mental space going. But at the same time, you don't really have that home field advantage from the fans because the Super Bowl, as much as we love it, is the biggest game of the year for the NFL. It's a very corporate event. It's a lot of businesses that have tickets, and you don't have that fan base there to really drive you. Of course, you do still have some, but it's not like playing a true home playoff game, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'll let uh, you know anyone who wants – I'm just going to say this, and whoever wants to jump in can jump in. I am interested to see Sunday if there is more of some actual Rams fans that were in L.A. in that area that bought up, even though obviously the Super Bowl is going to be way marked up than a normal game there. But, like, you know, it obviously with the Bucks. The state, the fans, the stadium was like only a third full because we're, you know, tail end of a COVID season. Now that 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 sofa is going to be freaking juiced, so I'll be interested to see if there is more actually home fans there. But yeah, you're right, the home field advantage and stuff. Uh, anyone else? Anyone who wants to jump in first on this, go ahead. I mean, yeah, so if we're talking about home field. I mean, look at, just look at early in the playoffs, like the Niners, like pretty much took up half of the stadium. <laughs> So it's like Rams fans don't really come out to the games. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if you know, like you said, there's going to be a lot of you know, businesses that have tickets, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's like Bengals, a lot of Bengals fans there either, because I don't know what it is with Rams fans. They just, they're not the ones that fill that stadium. Same, same, so, for, same for Chargers same, fans, bro. Same for Chargers fans. Go ahead. Absolutely, no, absolutely. It's all LA fans in general. Like mm -hmm. LA just doesn't really care about sports that much. They're too busy like watching. Outside the of like the Lakers and the like outside of basketball, they're like every other sport is secondary. Yeah, college football. College Dodgers football is. Big. Dodgers are big. Like it would probably probably say it's like Lakers, Dodgers. Yeah, but like even for the Dodgers, people were talking about how fans weren't showing up or leaving early, even when they were like the best team in the league. I'm like, saying with the Dodgers though is a completely different circumstance. Like their fans get there in the third inning, so like we can't yeah. even talk about that. Yeah. It, it's a completely different dynamic. 
that is true. Well, I guess at some point, think of it this way. So let's just say hypothetically the Jacksonville Jaguars get located to Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> That'd right? be awesome. <laughs> yes, Blake, you tell him. I'd tell him, Blake. Greg, yeah, I'd love that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my point is, in that area, you know, you turn on the TV on Sundays, you have two choices of watch of watching it as far as, like, analog TV is concerned. You can watch the Packers and you can watch the Bears. Demographically, when you go over the entire Quad Cities, it's those two teams. If you just transplant a random team from, I don't know, St. Louis into a city, it's going to be a hard time to build up that fan base because you have these people that have been tried and true to their teams for a long time. There's a lot of Raiders fans in LA. You have the 49ers very close. You know, you have Seattle Seahawks. You wanted to go that way with Legion of Boom. It's hard to, you know, have a diehard fan base when they haven't grown up with these teams. And I understand LA was there for a while, but at some point they did abandon LA to go to St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, hey, there's not many diehard LA Rams fans, and there aren't as many diehard Washington Commanders fans. But how about this, Blake? The Davenport Jags, does that have a good ring to it? Uh, I'd, just, I'd put it as the Quad City Jaguars. The Quad City the Jaguars. Jaguars. Boys, but. we got a relocation to do on Madden. We are moving to Davenport with the Jags. Not possible. <laughs> We're going to make it possible. Blake, you got anything to add on I the whole like, I feel like we have to move to Rock Island instead. Hard pass. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move to Rock Island. We're gonna play at that shitty junky high school field they play on that has a press box older than like my dad in the nineties. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in the, in my eyes, it's like it's in the NFL. There's not really a home field advantage in like the Super Bowl like obviously you have the World Series where it's played at the different places like that I feel like it's home field advantage right because you have your town and your city but in a big game like this in the third biggest sport in the world there it, to me there's not really a home field advantage especially in a big game like this I guarantee you half that stadium will be full of Bengals fans if not more Bengals fans because they've waited so long yeah more than the Rams that's fair you have like the Bengals fans that have been waiting for this moment that are like, but yeah, the Bengals fans that have been, you know, waiting for this moment. And again, the corporate event stuff and whatnot. Nick, you had some some interesting stuff. Shout out to Honey Mustard Sauce or whatever the fuck stores that aren't open on Sundays, ruining my ruining my podcast. Anywho, Nick, go ahead. Yeah, you know, since since we had actually like discussed this and you know had like some time, I actually like did a little bit of research. You know, trying to be a little bit prepared. Which is very rare for me, but Levi with I trivia, Nick with numbers. So from 2010 to 2018, home teams averaged a scoring margin of 2.33 points higher. So in those eight years, home field advantage was worth just under three points. However, in these last three years, it's been worth about a half point. So home field advantage is coming less and less. And then you go through all the stuff that you guys were talking about of being a transplant team being in a Super Bowl where you're going up against a team that's been waiting forever, that half point that you've gotten for those last three years is going to be even less now. So it's a wash at this point. Where you can go through all these numbers where in those same eight years, it was a 56% win percentage if you were playing at home. But in this situation, that's out the window. It's a coin flip on the home field. 
But it sure is cool to say that you're playing at home in the Super Bowl. Absolutely, but I mean, it's, it just it just it doesn't mean anything because it's such a big game. It just yeah. happens to happen that it's at home for them. Yeah, my but, yeah, my last thing was I, like I said, I was gonna think, is it gonna be? I'm gonna be interested to see if there is a difference uh, in the COVID year from the Bucks last year compared to the actual full stadium. I doubt it. I doubt it's going to make much of a difference, but we'll be. This is actually the first full stadium we'll see with this opportunity. Go ahead, Joey. Uh, I mean, I cap us off. I I will say I, I'm with you guys for the most part. I've really been torn on if there actually is a home field badge or not. And what I will say to this is, you guys are all right about the transplant. You know, uh, how many fans are actually going to be in there? How many Rams fans are actually going to be in there? But the one thing you got to look at from the athlete's standpoint is that's the field that you know that you played on the entire year that the Bengals haven't stepped foot on. They have no clue how it's going to play. They don't know the different spots to turf, whether it be artificial or natural. And, again, the whole idea of not having to travel and being at home with your family the night before and having, like, mentally prepared for this game is, I think, a, a huge factor. Go ahead, Nick. So here's my question then. Have you guys seen how the Bengals aren't coming in until tomorrow? It's the latest that an opposing Super Bowl team has ever arrived to the Super Bowl. It, that's interesting considering the fact that they got smoked with weather over the last like week and a half. But go ahead, Nick. Right. That's that's why I'm like, so are, it does that make even more of a difference where you now have even less time than any other team that has ever competed in the Super Bowl that at least I've seen. Everything I've seen today is about how they're coming in later than any other team has. Does having that one less day on that turf field, on that field that you aren't familiar with that the other team is play even more of a role now? See, I think it doesn't really have an issue with the Ram. I with the Bengals. Sorry, like the, the like the later you go, like later you get into the week to the Super Bowl, you get less distractions at that point. So, like, why would you put yourself in the situation where you're there on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon and, like, you're already setting yourself up for all the hoopla of the Super Bowl, everything that goes around with it, and then you're not in Cincinnati, you're not, like, in your home, sleeping in your own bed kind of thing, and you you don't have to worry about the outside noise until you yeah, get but it. My problem is, it, with you skipping one day of media eligibility, do you then have to take up that extra time that you missed during that day to make up for that rest of the time too? Like, are you putting more of a stress on those players from taking that extra day of media availability away? I'm just curious. I don't know. That's, that's just, I have no idea. And it's interesting to me. That's a fantastic point though. I'm, I'm interested to see how that'll happen, how that'll work. Um, Mac has a point, the distractions thing. Can't wait till we have this discussion next year when the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas at the Death Star. Um, you know, hopefully we don't get any more, uh, you know, drunken NFL Yeah, with player. this Alvin Kamara thing, is that going to end up getting changed? Like, it's already being shown that NFL players in Vegas are a terrible mix. Yeah, but I asked Joe that yesterday. I was like, how many players does it take getting re- arrested in Las Vegas for them to do something about it? Well, I mean, here's my thing. What are they going to do? Plus, also, like, I don't. I know we're not, and I know Ethan wasn't, and I know Nick, you weren't. I'm just making this a bland statement. Like, let's not blame the city for these players being shitbags. You're right, but like, if that th- if that's in Chicago, do you think that's happening? 
Seriously, do you, if that's in Chicago, do you think it's happening? Or if I mean, has Alvin Kamara had a problem in New Orleans ever? I don't think so. I don't think in New Orleans is also a rowdy town, so that, like, you would expect it to happen. Yeah, if, if it's in Seattle, do you think that's happening? I don't. Didn't Kamara get in trouble in college too? He, I think he got in trouble for something at Bama, but not. I'm not sure. Not terrible. I'm not sure. I'm not going to throw that on him yet. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's. I don't know, Nick. What's your take? Do you have a take on this? Does anyone else have a take on this? Because I don't. I don't, I don't have a take. Huh? Oh, go Levi. Yeah, I. For me personally, like if you're a person who's going to get in trouble a lot, it's easier to just not be in the room. Um, like actually, Joe Burrow this year commented that he thinks one of the reasons that. Um, the Bengals haven't, didn't have a lot of COVID issues during the season because there wasn't a lot of places to go like far, as far as nightlife in Cincinnati. So there just wasn't the opportunities that a lot of these other like bigger city uh, teams were having. Well, there you go. Shit on my take, Joe Burrow. If anyone's going to, it's that guy. Fair point. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Next uh, headline, Ethan Pearson on deck. I'm interested to see how we all kind of go with this one because I know where he's going. But Mr. Pearson, set us up. D- bring us our dish. On your platter, my friend. So, uh, mine's a key matchup. It's uh, the Jamar Chase-Jalen Ramsey matchup. And I think it's going to be, like, a really good matchup. Maybe one of the best we've seen in a Super Bowl in a while between a young up-and-coming stud receiver and the best corner in the league. But, uh, last, I mean, last week we saw Ramsey get toasted on that big play to Mike Evans. Like, at the end of the game. So I think Jamar may have a slight edge, but it's also a Super Bowl. And Ramsey may be coming to play and prove himself. There are way more players. There are, there are you know, there's a lot more players that you could get burned by uh, that would make you feel really bad. Uh, you can go ahead. Just set it down. Don't drop it. Good job. Attaboy, Blake. Um, there's a lot... Basically, getting toasted by Mike Evans isn't a, the worst thing in the world. That guy is a Hall of Famer. You know, yeah, shit but happens. he's also not the fastest player in the league by any means. <laughs> so, yeah, I will be interested to see, like, how that's an interesting dynamic. Apparently, Ramsey came out with something today that said he would want yep. to shadow him. He said he said he wanted, to play, he wanted the matchup, but he didn't know if it was going to happen the whole game. The way the Rams have played people all year is he starts off on one side, and then whoever gets going, he's been matched up on. So... You'll get it, but I don't think you're going to get it one-on-one like we all want to see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm going to be interested to see how it works when he's on them, the kind of coverages they run, how they – Jalen said that we would get it at least a couple times one-on-one. Absolutely. That's And it's, there's just going to be situations where it happens. I also don't know if it's going to be that big of a factor because when we get further into the – into this, especially when we actually break down predictions and stuff, a lot of talk. I think, well, at least what I'm going to bring up is matchup when it comes to the 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 line of scrimmage when the Bengals have the football. So I and I don't think the Rams are going to really bring pressure much. So I don't think it will be a lot of Jalen on Jamar just in one on one island situations. Uh, Levi, Joey, Mac, what do you guys got on this? I think a big situation is I don't know of Jamar Chase having an NFL, an NFL caliber corner on him like in this matter. And also Jalen has two weeks to prep. I mean, it it all it all depends on like, again, like Nick said, is how they're going to use him in the situations. Like I, I can definitely see it early happening 
that you know they're going to match him up early to see what see what they got. But you know if you know if, if it's somebody else that's if it's not Jamar Chase, like if T Higgins is going, like Ramsey's going over there, like he's going to live there all game, and then we're not going to see that matchup, and it's not going to be you know anything worth our while. But I mean, I expect in crunch time if the game's close, you would put him on Jamar. So, like, we could get it in high-leverage situations, but at the whole game, I just don't see it's going to happen. Well, Richard Sherman said it best, boys. I'm saying this partly because this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. But this is what happens when you put a sorry-ass receiver like Crabtree on me. <laughs> Are you saying Jamar Chase is a sorry-ass receiver? No, no, no. I'm saying the exact opposite of that. I think, you know, I think he's one of, if not the best out there at the moment. I mean, he's so young and so dynamic with – you know, that chemistry has with Joey B. And I think that's going to be the X factor in that matchup. I think it's a very even matchup. I think Jalen Ramsey is one of, if not the best corners in the league right now. I think Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers in the league right now. And I also think that um, Joey B is going to be able to throw him open. Nick, you're going to say okay. something really dumb here. I'm a terrified. So, just for fun's sake, uh, Joe, you should 100% take out that last, like, 15 seconds of Joey talking where he was uh, complimenting Jalen Ramsey, then put on the headline, Jalen Ramsey, worst quarterback in the league, don't try Jamar Chase, the sorry-ass corner like him, said by Joey Elmore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're just going to keep it. Fuck it. If we're grabbing headlines, I mean, damn, Joey, I was really hoping you weren't going to say that so I could just throw it up fine. Boo. Oh, tough. Very tough. All right. Uh, uh, Blake, you're back from the dead. Oh, you good? You alive? Oh, yeah. There we go. I don't know, man. You I feel well nourished I, now? I think I should go last because mine isn't really. No, I was going to say your take on the Jamar versus Oh, okay. okay. I thought up. I was going to say I think my headline should be last because it's not as serious as everybody else. No, yours is going to be like smack dab in the middle. Okay, that's fine. Yours is a, um, you're a transitional champion. I sort of agree with everybody else. Um, I think Jalen's going to be all over the field. I think Jamar, let's say Jamar gets a 30-yard reception. I think the next play you're going to see Ramsey on him. I think when T. Higgins gets a 25-yard reception, the next play you're going to see Ramsey on him. I think he's just going to control. I think he's going to control the narrative of the game himself. He's going to control on who does what, during what situation, during the game. You could see him in the slot. You could see him on Higgins. You could see him on Ramsey. Him and him and him in the slot is when he's at his best. I think you're going to you're going to see him all over the field. But I think the most intriguing matchup obviously is Chase versus Ramsey, and I think we'll I think we'll see that more than excuse me a lot of the other matchups. But I think we'll see him all over the field during the game because you're going to need him to be all over the field. And, Nick, I think with the fact that how the Niners – or not the Niners, the Rams, I think, are going to be able to get home, I think it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Callahan and Taylor design stuff to get get Jamar Chase and, like, guys like that the ball. Right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I agree, but you also have to uh, give the Bengals a little bit of credit that they have a quarterback who doesn't matter how many times he's not going to get gun shy, he's not going to shy away from taking a hit to make a throw. So they have that to work in with it. Obviously, you don't game plan for that, but it's a nice little thing in your back pocket that you know 
if that line isn't able to draw it up and your plays are still taking a little bit too long, you have a quarterback that's not going to shy away from trying to take that hit to make it. Very, very true. All right, moving on. So we got Joey's. We did Ethan's. Let's move on to Levi's. Levi, let's go. I think yours is still uh, – I think yours, you have like a sentimental one and you had another matchup one. Uh, go ahead with uh, with your with your stories and topics. I have kind of a two-parter here. Um, the first one, of course, being uh, uh, kind of the, the story that I feel like we're not addressing enough that I feel like should be. Like we've talked a whole lot about, you know, 44-year-old Tom Brady doing his thing, you know, the immaculate recovery, you know, of, you know, being able to play forever seemingly. Except there's a player on the Los Angeles Rams that no one seems to be wanting to talk about, and that's Andrew Whitworth. This is a 40-year-old man who's going against Nick Bosa, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones in his own division on a consistent basis at 40 and doing extremely well. He came over from Cincinnati wanting kind of the better life in L.A. It didn't quite outwork this time, and now he's getting his opportunity to play in the Super Bowl against his old team. Yeah, so I think it's going to be kind of a very interesting matchup to see how he goes throughout the game and if it's he's able to actually um, – Keep able to keep his quarterback safe going against uh, Hendrickson. Yeah, you got to think he'll draw a lot of Hendrickson. I like that because you know, with Whitworth being a guy from the Bengals, this is his uh, another Super Bowl opportunity for him. He's been with this Rams team for a bit. Um, you know, it'd be great another guy. You had like guys like Donald, guys like Ramsey, uh, those type of guys, guys like Weddle. Uh, Odell, of course, Stafford. Add Whitworth to the list of guys trying to vindicate their careers. With a championship. And then additionally, you know, kind of addressing the elephant in the room. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see where, you know, how quickly that the Rams are going to be able to get to uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Because, you know, just from a grading standpoint, we obviously know there's a match we had there with, you know, going with Aaron Donald. But it's, I think, honestly, what it's going to come down to is, can Tyler Boyd get open enough times to make plays? Because, you know, with Ramsey out there, with Jamar Chase, you're going to need someone else to step up, and I think that person needs to be uh, Tyler Boyd at the end of the day. Yeah, Boyd, um, Mac, we'll start with you. Boyd hasn't really been the uh, biggest name for them in the playoffs. It's been a lot of chase. Um, Uzama's been really good for them, and I think eventually we're going to have to talk about Uzama and the fact that him and Higby, I don't know if they're going to play if they both do, they're both going to be coming off of injuries. Nick, I don't know how much you've read into this and whatnot, but um, Higgins was humongous against the Chiefs on last sun, uh, two Sundays ago in the AFC title game. Boyd uh, could be due, maybe. He could be the next guy ready. He's very, very capable. No, I agree. I think we have to look at the fact that, you know, we all agree that the offensive line for the Bengals is suspect at best. So I can definitely see the Bengals scheming up, you know, their offense early on to be, you know, quick five-yard, ten-yard throws, maybe dumps out of the backfield to Mixon and get the ball out of Burrow's hands as fast as possible to negate the the front seven that the Rams do have. Um, and I think that's going to also neutralize the secondary for the Rams as best as they can because if you get the ball out quick, Ramsey's not going to be able to, you know, do his normal stuff like he needs to. And – I think that could be very beneficial for Burrow throughout the game. If I may say something. I'm... Go ahead, go ahead, Blake. I actually watched a uh, video today, and I think 
he said it perfectly, my man Dan Orlovsky. One of the things that the Bengals exceed at very well are very fast screen plays. And one of the weaknesses on the Rams' defense is actually screen plays. So I think throughout the game, you're probably going to see seven to seven to ten different types of screens from the Bengals to help them get early, early, uh, early yards, early downs, and uh, long distance plays. Whether it's a 15-yard screen, a seven-yard screen, but I think they're going to use the screens a lot during the game because the Rams' defense isn't very good at them. Interesting take. I like that. That'll be something to watch out for. Um, any of you guys got some other comments on the Whitworth slash Boyd matchup and storyline? Yeah, I kind of I like the whole idea of uh, – that's something we've definitely overlooked a little bit. We haven't really hit on is, you know, the Bengals offensive line being suspect. I mean, we kind of talked about with the whole Jamar Chase thing, but, you know, does this also make the Bengals one-dimensional and it doesn't make it easier for the Rams to actually game plan? So I think that is like, you know, Levi, a really good storyline that we didn't really think too much about. So, you know, hats off to you on making it that one. Yeah, I, I don't know about easier to game plan for because I do think the – or one-dimensional, I should say, because I do think the Bengals are going to be able to run the ball um, because I, the Rams aren't great against the run. They're not very physical. They don't like coming downhill that much. They don't like to hit first. That's their biggest thing. So they are able to be ran on. I do think that um, – that will be interesting to see how they try to use Mixon. Mixon was huge considering he got so many cheap yards for the uh, Bengals um, to sustain drives in the first half of the AFC title game. Had a couple big runs against the Titans as well. I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if he wasn't a factor in this one. But the biggest thing I think when you just look at the offensive and defensive line stuff is, and we can start with you here, is I really think that when we look at the matchups. Of the corners for the Rams versus the receivers of the Bengals, a lot of it's going to be they're going to have max guys in coverage because I really think the Rams are going to be able to rely on just bringing four and being able to get home with whether it's just one-on-one -on -one matchups or running different games up front, stunts with the ends and tackles or inside, things like that. That's what I'm interested to see. What about you? Did you say me? Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Uh. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think the Rams are going to bring a ton of pressure because, like you said, the Rams or the Bengals' offensive line is really suspect. They get set suspect. They gave up nine sacks to the Titans, whose defensive line is nowhere near the caliber of, of the of the Rams. And uh, if they can, if if the Bengals can can like run the ball, and get Joe Mixon going early, I think they're in good shape because then you have to bring a little bit of pressure. And then you can open up the one-on-one -on -one matchups. Interesting, yeah, and, and that's something too. You, especially if you can control the line of scrimmage on the ground, um, we'll see if that can exploit some matchups. Let's see, uh, Blake. We'll go ahead with your uh, my headline. Your headline, which is interesting to see how we're going to spin this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure how this is going to go. You had all week to pick something different, so you rode with this. Let's go. No, absolutely, because this is uh, this is. So my one of my favorite streamers um, has it was all over Sports Centers, all over ESPN. It was a headline on ESPN. But my favorite streamer, his name is uh, Tim the Tapman, and he has bet on every single game in the playoffs and even the college football game. And he is zero and eight for everything that he has guessed. He thought the Chiefs were going to beat the Bengals. He thought the Titans were going to beat the Bengals. He thought 
um, the Packers were going to beat the 49ers. He thought the 49ers were going to beat the the Rams. The Rams, and he has predicted every single one wrong. So mine's obviously it's not that it's not like a serious headline, but the weight of the world is not in bal- in the balance here in this game. Yeah, yeah, your your headline is the Ant Man of the, the of our uh, cinematic absolutely. universe. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's like, or is it? Or is it? Yeah, like I mean, I, that is true. It could have none of the consequence, or it could have all of the consequence. Absolutely. So yeah, that I mean, my headline is that he is Owen Owen seven Owen eight. And I think he's going to be 0-9. But I feel like is it is jinxing an actual real thing? Is you know how there's like the Drake curse? Is, are you saying is there's there a Tim the Tim Tatman curse, curse in, in the NFL and college football? I don't know. Who wants first? I'll take it a step further. Hmm. At what point did he like, you know what? I want That's what I, I told want Blake the to win. That's what so I told I'm Blake. Say the Rams. Like, at what point does he try and reverse jinx himself and then jinx the team that he wants See, that's to win? what I thought, but he, he came out with a video and he said, my genuine heart, I, I want the Rams to win the football game. And that was his I pick. don't know. I, that's I what I know. said. There's some deep CIA shit here, Blake. That's what I told you initially. I was like, he's a Bengals fan. He's reverse jinxing the Bengals. To the Super no, Bowl. he's actually a Cowboys fan, believe it or not. Everyone's a fucking Cowboys <laughs> fan. <laughs> Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, is in the NFL is the Tim the Catman curse real? Which during the football year he was he was his record was not very good as well. He has predicted a lot of things wrong, scoring wise in the NFL, game winning wise in the NFL. So yeah, my headline is more of like a uh, joking headline: is uh, the Tim the Catman jinx real? So he uh, that's tough, very tough. Anybody have uh, anybody been good on their predictions in the postseason? I obviously I picked the Niners technically to beat the Packers. Outside of that, I guess I picked. The, I did say the Chiefs would beat the Bills. I've been wrong on the. Bengals. I've been okay. I have not been as good as I was in baseball. So yeah. I've been spot on. Yeah, you. Yeah, Nick is out here. Was out here just lambasting baseball takes. Even picking yeah, like not not been as good. No, this time so. Not at all. All right, uh, Mac, you're a you're a professional, unprofessional gambler. Have you been laying any skin in the game lately, Bucko? I've stayed away for a while. Um, well, I don't even remember the last game I bet on. Actually, soft. I think it was college football back in September. So Jesus, it's Christ. been a while. What happened to you? What happened to you? All right, who we got? So we did blum. We did Blake, we did Ethan, we did Joey, Levi. Fuck it, I'll go. Um, my, and we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the show. My biggest headline story is our man Joey B is on the precipice of maybe having the best run, best start to a career. I don't know, but you talk about a three-year stretch of – LSU, like this is a three-year stretch. He he took Ed Orgeron, Bayou the, the the Bayou man himself, Bayou Popeye, to a national championship, who ended up getting fired less than twenty-four months after winning it. And the other, the next full season of football he plays, he took 
the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is easily, right now, in one of the best runs ever as a quarterback in pro football. You combine it with the college year. Um, LSU to Cincinnati, the greatest college season of all time, the greatest college team of all time. Backing it up by the next full season you play, you take the Cincinnati Bengals outside of, I mean, you can you can say sorrier than the Jags. The Jags won playoff games in my life. Like, the Jags were a win for us. They were up, up 10 with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Outside of, like, the Browns, but even the Browns won a playoff game. The sorriest franchise in our lifetime. The freaking Bengals are in the Super Bowl. And it's on the back of Joseph Burrow. Gentlemen, thoughts. Uh, Joey B with a ring can solidify himself in some rarefied air only. He would, I think, become one of two, if not the only guy, I think, to win a Heisman national title and a Super Bowl. So, I mean, we're talking some some elite short lists that this kid is already putting himself on in such short time. I, I just want to say that, how are you going to say that the Bengals are the sorriest franchise of our lifetime? We've had two teams go 0-16. That's fair. The Bengals, the Lions, the Browns won a playoff game, though. The Browns won a playoff game in our life. Things that matter. We're not wrong. Relative. Relative, see? I mean, look. I, I mean, look. Depends Bengals, on what you consider versus expectations, but I I don't completely disagree. I mean, I know the Bengals won a decent amount of division titles and they played in playoff games, but look, they hadn't won a they haven't won a playoff game since 1980 something since or whatever before Homeboy came around. I'm just saying. Anyone else uh, anyone else want to want to follow that up? Continue the the Joey B love and conversation. So I think it's deserved. What this guy I, uh, has done, what what he's been doing is insane. Uh, if I remember correctly, excuse me, recall correctly, uh, if Joe Burrow actually wins the Super Bowl, he will be the first Heisman winner to win the national championship Heisman and Super Bowl. So, I mean, correct. that in itself is a, an incredible feat. And I was not high on Joe Burrow or Matt Jones for that, uh, like, hot sec either. Like, I didn't think any of those, either of those two would be very good coming out of college and yeah, I, I got, I was wrong. Yeah, they've both been fantastic. All right, we're gonna pause real quick. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, and then we're gonna come back. We got two more, two more headlines, and then we have our Super Bowl predictions, games, and MVP. Educated ignorance on the FFSQC podcast network. We'll be back in a moment. All right, welcome back to the Is Babe Ruth Real podcast here on the FFSQC <laughs> podcast network. Um, the answer is no, completely fake and fictional. Never existed. All right, five, five prediction or five uh, storylines down, two to go. Mac or Nick, play rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock for who goes next. Congratulations, Mac, you won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, fine. That's, I, I can go. Uh, mine was circled, uh, like, yeah, focused around OBJ and the Rams. So, looking at his playoffs last three games, his first game in the playoffs was four receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown, six catches and 69 yards, and then nine catches for 113. 
Um, with his usage rate going way up over the last like ten weeks, what do you guys expect of him in the game, like stat wise? Ooh, some stat projections we're going for. Uh, Ethan, go first. Over under him out here. No, Nicholas, you can go. No, Nick, go You're first. Already no, I wanted an over under here. I don't want to give a number. I want an over under. All right, okay. Yeah, okay. Over under eight catches and over under ninety five yards. Jeez. Below on both. I don't know. Let me find his actual the under on both. I'll me... take I'll take six receptions for like sixty eight yards and probably a touchdown. I feel like they're gonna try to get him a touchdown. Let me see prop bets. That's about what I thought. All right, here we go. Bubba, Personal bubba. opinion, give me the under on catches. I think he ends up with six. But give me the over on yards. I think he gets like 110. I think he has one long one. I would Are we s- assuming Tyler Higby plays? I would assume. I would say assume the same roster as the NFC Championship. I'm assuming Higby does not play, but for the record, I would assume Uzoma does. I agree with Nick there. Uzoma already said he's going to come out and play. Whether it'll, whether or not he'll be effective is the question. Whether or not he's cleared is still a question. But yes, I saw that as well. That Uzoma said he's that. There's no way he's going to miss the biggest game of his life. I mean, Thomas Davis played with the broken. But I guess what going, did he even do? MCL. Uh, yeah, I guess going back to the question though, like, what was the overall impact you guys think OBJ will have in this game? I think he's going to open up Cooper Cup. If they win, he might be the reason why, inadvertently. And then I have a part two when you guys get this done. So, I'm, I got a DJ at six receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown, if uh, I'm being honest. All right, I see some, I see some stuff here. Uh, like OBJ <laughs> is plus 137 to score a touchdown. Nothing on yards over or under, though. I see Burrow and Stafford have some yards, over-unders, outside of that. Here, I'll get it for you. Don't worry. Yeah, please, because I can't find shit on here when it comes to, like, just stuff lined up. I actually wanted to see some – I wanted to find some good stuff. I would say probably if they win, he'll be over because I think if they win, it's kind of the game of, like, Stafford's maybe, you know – 22 to 24 for like 32 or something. It has Odell over or under 63 and a half. What's his catches? 63 and a half. I would say over. Yeah, I would yeah say over 63 and a half. I'm also taking the over on that. Um, unfortunately, like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, the amount of targets he had in the NFC Championship was, I think, was 14. Yeah. So like he had nine catches out of the fourteen targets he had. I assume he's going to be about fifteen again. So him having ten catches is not out of the realm of possibility. Yes, his over under for catches is over five and a half for the which I'm, also, over. which I'm also taking that. Interessante. I like those. Like I mean, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be shocked if he had ten for like one thirty and two touchdowns. He could have that type of game. I feel like the pimp, like we would be in a situation where Cup and Stafford both get 80% of the completions to them from the other two, like out of the total from Stafford. That makes sense. For the record, though, maybe the most 
interesting over-under, though, for the day is Stafford on completions. It's set at 24 and a half. He'll get over that. I don't know. I might go under. Be over on that. you go under. Over. Over. I'd go under. I think he's going to be closer to 28-30. So he's had 28 and 31 in their playoff games this year, for the record. Completions? He's big in the playoffs. Yes, completions. He had 31 completions against the Niners? Good Lord. Oh, I didn't realize he was that much on the Niners. Good God. I, I might have to go yeah, over on that. They haven't, they haven't been able to run the ball, so like Stafford has been doing it all. So. Interesting. Yeah, Stafford, for the record, against the Niners was 31 of 45. Okay. Yeah, maybe then. Maybe he will have to... And I guess the second part, Levi, do you have anything to say into this? I think this is going to be a lot more of a Cooper Cup game. I just don't see the Bengals having a shutdown corner. So this is where I was going to have the second part here. Um, where do you – like, who do you think is going to have the better performance in the game between OBJ and Cooper then? Oh, definitely oh, Cooper. Cooper's Cooper. definitely – Cooper's getting like a buck 20. Cooper's the MVP of the National Football League. We're being real. Cooper and Stafford are the only buddy ball tandem that might be better than Chase and Burrow. Yeah, buddy ball elitism is going to be in full display here. All world buddy ball teams going at it in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. They're the top two in the league right now for sure. Yeah. Easily. I would say they're both better buddy ball tandems than even Rodgers and Devontae. I don't know, man. That's some high-level buddy yeah, ball. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's some high-level buddy it, ball. It absolutely is. It absolutely it's a historic is. buddy ball. But... How much of buddy ball can you really be playing, though, when you're a quarterback that most of your teammates don't really like you? Oh. So you're just playing friend ball, not buddy ball. Oh, wow. He, no, said, he said friend ball. They're playing they're playing You're playing acquaintance ball. Yeah, they're playing they're playing sometimes response to they're your text ball. It's coworker ball. Coworker. Yeah. Oh, Ethan with the heater. Say that again. I said doesn't talk to his family ball. Ouch. Oof. Tough. Oof. Tough. <laughs> Give me him on the Steelers zone there, Super Bowl team next year. Sorry. Completely different thing. Why can't Sorry. why why would why him instead of loves getting an extra massage ball on the Steelers? Eh. Eh. I'm just saying, man. We need redacted back in the league. We need Michael Jordan. I I don't disagree, but I don't know if that's where. Whatever. That's an entirely different thing. Keep moving. I know. <laughs> um. All right, uh, Nick. You're the last one, I believe, for the headlines. Yeah, and mine's the... kind of wide open, but. One that I'm happy I said something to you guys first, or you guys might have thought I was getting it from Coward, but the uh, what ifs of Matthew Stafford in his career. What if he didn't go to Detroit? What if in today's day and age I told you that there's a quarterback coming in that has the arm talent naturally of Patrick Mahomes is tougher than Josh Allen and will be able to go almost his entire career without any major injuries. And then I told you that he wasn't a surefire Hall of Famer and it wasn't because he was good enough or he didn't put up the numbers to be. 
I I believe that anybody who sits there and tells you Stafford's not a Hall of Famer, even before winning the NFC title, I think is nuts. I mean, he was what the he was what the fastest player to how many yards or something to te- or he hit a whole bunch of those. Yeah, like he hit a massive yeah. amounts of those. Uh, the fact like his his resume is so good when it comes to at just accumulation of numbers. Um, just didn't have the wins, and I think this year, even without the Super Bowl, even if they lose Sunday, I think it's her, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, Definitely should be. I mean, he's he's a quarterback who's been responsible for two of the greatest receiving seasons of our lifetime. So yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna say like I thought Stafford was a Hall of Famer even before he left Detroit. Like, yeah, so did I. Just yeah. the fact that you, you led Detroit to I think four playoff appearances. You you came short twice to a division title and you on week seventeen in Green Bay. Like you lost those two division titles in the last week of the season. Yep. So like. That's something that Detroit never would expect from anything. So I think that in itself would be enough to put him in the hall. <laughs> no shit. Blake, were you going to say something? Nope. Blake Blake does not think Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer. Well, Blake is wrong. So also, here's another Blake one. Is what if you go back and you switch teams for Stafford and Rodgers? How many Super Bowls does Stafford have in Green Bay? I think it's comparable to what Rodgers has right now. I, th- I think he'd have two, personally. Because yeah. Green Bay has an issue where they bring in a you know a Hall of Fame quarterback and they only get one, one championship. Yeah, well, what would they yeah. only get there, one? There is zero difference. But uh... go ahead, Blake. Speak your speak your mind. Here's what I was going to say. You get you say give Rodgers Calvin Johnson, bro. I guarantee you they would have got past the first round of the playoffs more than once. Bro, no, no. No. Yeah, yeah. Do you hear yourself right now? I do. I do hear myself. Nick, what were you saying? Matthew Stafford one blown call away from going to play Green Bay in 2015. You realize, like, in those years that Calvin Johnson played, Rodgers had good, good receivers, right? Like Randall Cobb, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. Like, he had a ton more. Yeah, Jordy Nelson. He had a ton more weapons than... Matt Stafford ever had. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers also had a run game. Matthew Stafford was one-dimensional his whole career in Detroit. Here's my thing. Matt Stafford didn't have a 100-yard rusher in a singular game for like four years. (laughs) We had one guy do it in his tenure. It was Reggie Bush. In one game. Just one 100-yard game. That's wild. That's the craziest single NFL stat of all time, by the way. Like, you cannot find one that's more nuts than that. I'll say this. I think that Stafford was able to overcome more adversity there than what Rodgers would have been able to in Detroit. I think in Green Bay, his career would have been very similar to what Rodgers was, but I don't know if Rodgers would have been able to overcome the dysfunction of Detroit as much as Stafford did, and I can guarantee that he would not have stayed as long as Stafford did. Yeah, Rodgers He would not have embraced the city of Detroit like Stafford did. Correct. Correct. Just an interesting what if on, like, Stafford is such a weird one that deserves much more respect than he has gotten. I love it. I'm a big Matt Stafford guy. I, Nick, Nick, we talked about it almost this time last year. The quarterback shakeup that was on deck. We just thought it would be the Colts. We hoped mm-hmm. it would be we the thought Colts. it would be the Colts, and then we were thinking maybe the Niners. Like, 
and then all of a sudden it happened to be the Rams, and here we are. I, I said coming into I the season. Sorry, Joe. I do think it's kind of fitting, though. On the year anniversary, he wins the NFC title of the trade. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that is like the most fitting thing for Matthew Stafford. Like, it sucks as a Lions fan seeing that happen, but I love it to see it for that guy. Like, he, there's no other guy that deserves it more than Matthew Stafford. I'd, uh, it, it's something that definitely makes me happy because uh, I'm a big Matt Stafford fan. I'm glad to see him getting his just due. And for them to be in this moment, for him to be in this moment finally, a long time coming, and we'll see if he can make the most of it on Sunday. Anybody else have any Matthew Stafford thoughts they'd love to get off? All right. Blake, you're up first, bucko. It's time to find out who is right, who is wrong in the world of predictions, ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Time to see who is a genius and time to see who wears an egg on their face and time to find out who's just Blake. Blake, your first Super Bowl prediction for Sunday. Score, winner, MVP, go. I have the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Los Angeles Rams. Final score I have is Bengals 34, Rams 27. And your Super Bowl MVP, Joseph Burrow. Big Joe, Joey Burrow. 37-24 Bengals with the win. All right, next up, let's go. Mac Fulton, winner, MVP, score. Give it to me. I have the Rams winning 38-27. And the MVP is going to be Matthew Stafford. 38-27 Rams. Also, uh, okay, hold on. Mac, are you writing these down? I have mine. I was just writing mine down. I'm writing writing them down, too. So I will put them in the chat for everyone to roast. Uh, Also, if you guys want to put like a little 10, 20 second little hot take in why you think uh, the big, you know, biggest reason for you in the game. To, for who wins and not, um, go ahead. Blake, was there anything you wanted to add real quick to yours? Nope. I just think, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the ultimate buddy ball duo, Joe Burrow's having the single greatest QB run maybe of all time, and I think in his two healthy seasons he's going to come out champion. I like, I love it. They are going to prove to be the best friends of all time. Absolutely. Got to give the people what they want. Mac, do you have anything you want to add to your prediction? Um, I think we're going to see the Rams have the same issues that they've had all playoffs with running the football. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford's going to have to put a lot of the weight on his shoulders, and I think that's what's going to propel them in this connection with Cooper Cup and OBJ. With their continued production going up, it's going to allow them to you know pull out the double-digit win. Okay. Uh, next, Ethan Pearson. I know what you're picking. Blake knows what you're picking. God knows what you're picking. God, what I'm picking because I put it in the group chat as soon as the Chiefs game was over. God knows what you're picking, but the people they do not know what you're picking. Score, winner, MVP, and why? Tell us. Say it with your chest. I got Bengals over the Rams, twenty-eight to twenty-four. My MVP of the game. You know what? Let's trade. Let's change it up. I'm gonna go defense. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say Trey Hendrickson gets it. 
Interessante. Very interesting. Wow. Just a random, just a random gut feeling, just like this all has been. Okay, that's something. All right. Any, uh, any more? Any less on yours? No, don't, don't think so. All right. I will split the difference here, so I don't make anyone feel like I'm more or less than I am, which I am nothing. I'm gonna split the difference. I have been stuck between, you know. Two different spots on what I think is going to happen. I cannot be who I am and pick the team in this game that I think has the significant disadvantage at the line of scrimmage. I think there's a lot of stuff in this game that's even. I think the quarterback play could be even, though the Rams are a little more, more a little more explosive. I think the Bengals have an advantage in the run game. I think receiver-wise, though you have Cup and Odell who can blow it open, I think Chase, Higgins, those guys are as good as well. I think that when it comes to the tight end game, I think Uzama and Higby were pretty much a wash, but if Uzama plays more, or if Uzama plays and Higby doesn't, I think that's a huge, excuse me, a huge, huge niche and, and, and feather for the Bengals. But I just cannot, I cannot be the one that bolsters line of scrimmage importance and then pick the team that I think has a massive disadvantage in it. I think the Rams are going to win, and a part of me, it hurts because I love this Bengals team and I love what they are, but I think the Rams win 27-23. to 23. Rams, and I think the Super Bowl MVP is one, the one and the only Cooper Cup. Joey Elmore, let it fly. All right, I got 24-21 in overtime. OT, let's oh, go. wow. And I'm going with the Bengals. I think uh, Joey B is the MVP, and I think uh, there's a couple reasons for this. Score. I think it's a very evenly matched game like you were, at, or were talking about, Jeff. Um, but I think the biggest thing is probably got to be, if this is the outcome, playmakers on the outside getting the quick screen games and the quick passes going, especially with Jamar Chase's explosive speed. And then you also have Sean McVay, who's going to coach himself out of this game again. Here, Okay, I want to make a quick point on that. I, I was going to say this, especially if they played the Chiefs, but, man, if they get a lead... I feel like that could be the worst thing that could happen to the Rams if they get like a two-score lead because all of a sudden McVay just goes into a shell. They start running the ball more. They pretty much go into prevent offense. Like if all of a sudden they find themselves like it's in the second quarter or the third quarter and it's like 20-7 to seven or like 17-3, to three, all of a sudden I'd be feeling good if I'm the Bengals. Like because it's like because McVay, like I think it suits better for the Rams if it's close. Because then I feel like McVay won't go into anti-stall mode and put the entire offense in neutral. That's uh, he did it against the Niners in Week 18. Um, yeah. Did it against the Bucks? Yeah, That's he did it against scary. the Bucks when Stafford was averaging like eight yards a pass. Go ahead, Joey. Is you know, if that happens and the Rams do go into their shell, like you know, I. I sat and McVay kind of coaches himself out of this game, but we've seen it throughout Joe Burrow's entire coaching, or, uh, playing career. Sorry. Um, in college, last year coming back from the ACL, this year, he's never out. Nope. You can't count Joe Burrow out of any game he plays. Not at all. 
All right, uh, Nick, I'll save you for last. Levi, the former Bengals fan, current Bengals fan. Two it's questions. Painful as it, I, it's, pain, it's painful. As... I, I was going to ask you a few questions first. Obviously, of okay. course, uh, winner, score, MVP, and why. But then I'm also going to ask, what jer- whose jersey are you wearing on Sunday, and where are you going to be? Um, I, I personally. Like, as painful as it is, I just have a feeling that the Bengals are going to kind of struggle in the red zone in this game. So I'm actually on your part here. I'm going to think it's going to be 23-27 to the Rams. And I think stereotypically, no matter what you do, as far as the voting is concerned, Stafford's going to win MVP. Okay. What about Jersey? What Jersey are you are you busting out? I will be wearing my Chad Johnson jersey. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. All right, this is wild. Game seven on the line. It's three to three, literally. The fate of the universe, Nick Pearson, lies in your hands. Oh, Joey, I'm angry some people with what I have to say. Joey, Joey it. picked the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Levi picked the Rams. Mac picked the Rams. Ethan picked the Bengals. Blake picked the Bengals. I picked the Rams. It's three to three. Nick Pearson, break everyone's hearts. Score, winner, why, MVP. Score, 37 to 17. Oh, whoa! Winner, Los Angeles Rams. 37 to 17. MVP, Matt Stafford. 37 to 17. I think that the Bengals' best chance of winning this game is establishing the run, and I think that the Los Angeles Rams are going to be able to stop Joe Mixon in his tracks and force Zach Taylor and them to try and get too fancy to get Jamar Chase and them open downfield by not being able to establish the run. And with that, those front four of the Rams are going to be able to pin their ears back, get to Burrow, force a turnover, maybe two, and then they'll score a late touchdown to make it a 20 gap at the end. So you will you think that the Rams get a lead – their front four eats, and then McVay, instead of putting, for the first time ever, instead of putting the offense in park, he goes for it and goes for the head. And I don't think it's a matter it. of going for it. I think it's a matter of I don't, I don't think that Matt Stafford makes the late fourth quarter mistakes that Patrick Mahomes did. There were a few of them. <laughs> You have, exactly. to, you have to give it whatever it is, as they say. You have to give it up to the Bengals' defense. Like, they've been the truth in these late second they've halves. They've been very good. Coming up with plays. Just where my mind is. That's fair. We are predicting. I love that it was down to the wire. We're all kind of all over the place. Blake has a seven-point win for the Bengals. Uh, Mac has an 11-point win for the Rams. We have a lot of close games. Nick thinks it could be one-sided. Uh... I love it. I think this is going to be fun. Look, we all could have thought, I think a lot of us maybe even thought chalk was going to happen, Packers, Chiefs, etc. Who am I? Who are we to have thought that in what is by far the craziest NFL season of all time, uh, that we wouldn't have some wild, random Super Bowl appearance, and we have that. Uh, one of these teams is going to get their first title in a long, long time. Bengals looking for their first ever. Rams looking for their first since '99. Boys, this was a beaut. This was beautiful. 
We all did great. Pat yourself on the back. Um, anyone else? Anyone have a final thought? Want to want to plug something cool you're doing? By all means, the floor is yours. Go around. If there is anything. If there's nothing, that's fine. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I love it. Max, say something. Say something stupid for everybody. Wait, you're getting paid? Yeah. <laughs> when the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> uh, Joey's getting paid in Trident layers, bro, boys. Joe, Joe, all we gotta say is let's get the popcorn ready, right? Get that popcorn. Get the popcorn ready. No, no shit. Blake's beatboxing. All right, boys. This was awesome. I love you all. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Levi Perry, shouts to you for coming on. Uh, I, for a part of me hopes I feel like you'll shed a tear if the Bengals win on Sunday. I feel like a part of you will shed a tear. That'll be an incredible moment if it actually happens. I will be extremely happy to be wrong. I think a lot of us would will be happy no matter what. I think we both have dogs in this fight. Like even though, like, like even other than like Blake, I don't think he really likes the Rams that much. I know you like like you like Cooper Cup, you like Jalen. I'll be I'll be happy for Jalen. So like even for that, I know Le or Ethan's a huge Matt Stafford guy. Levi obviously with the Bengals. I love the Bengals with Joey B. I love Joey B. I love Jamar Chase. Like uh, everyone here in this picking either side. Like I feel like we're going to be happy regardless. You know. So that's the beauty of this game. That is the beauty of this Super Bowl. Everyone's going to – no matter what happens, someone's going to be happy. And I think it's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a fun day. Well, all right, boys. Thank you so, so much for listening – or for uh, for watching. Thank you to everybody listening. Tell a friend. Share it with your people. Follow everything here on all of our platforms on Spotify, on Apple – uh, on iTunes, on Amazon Music, Podbean, the whole 12,000 bajillion yards. Um – this has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast on the FFSQC Podcast Network. For Mac, for Nick, for Joey, for Ethan, for Blake, for Levi, from all corners of the country, we bid you adieu from the game room. We're out. Peace. <laughs>